We're going to be in Acts 6. I'm actually going to read a big part of Acts 6, but before we get there, I just want to say something. This is weird. Is this weird for anybody? Can I see a show of hands? This is weird. It's weird for me because I expected any moment over the loudspeaker to hear Jason Smithy, please come to the principal's office. <clears throat> I'm only halfway kidding. <clears throat> I think God's shaking us up out of our comfort zone, okay? I think you saw Steve come up here. Steve prayed for boldness, right? And then God asked Steve to get up here and read a psalm. Steve didn't want to do that, but Steve stepped out in boldness. <clears throat> I say that I got called to the principal's office. I'm going to get into my message in just a second. <clears throat> I think it was fifth or sixth grade. I was part of the cool kids. The cool kids were a bunch of bullies that picked on everybody. And I decided that wasn't who I wanted to be. And so I stopped hanging around with them. I started hanging around all of the kids you all don't want your kids hanging out with, okay? <clears throat> One of my good friends lived just down the road here. This will tell you how much times have changed. He would intentionally leave his homework at home. And when the teacher asked him to hand it in, he'd say, well, I don't have it, but I could walk home and get it. And she'd say, well, okay, you could do that. And he said, well, I'm too heavy to crawl through the window that's unlocked, so I need this boy to go with me. And they would smoke cigarettes all the way over there and get his homework and come back. And, I mean, she fell for it lots of times. That's, that's how different the school was. But those are the kids I started hanging out with. And so the kids I used to hang out with started bullying me. What they didn't understand was that my dad taught me, you don't let someone put their hands on you, Okay. So in that, in that year, I was sent to the office six times for fist fighting right here in the school. But my dad told me, you don't start fights, but when somebody else starts a fight, you finish it. And so I did my best to do that, okay? <clears throat> the reason I say that, I say that not, don't do this, kids. Don't, don't do what I do. There's a better way. I, I, I could show you a better way now. But what I'm telling you is that that, that was preparing me for this. Because the enemy's been coming around and he's been picking on you guys. And I'm saying enough. All right, I'm saying enough. I'm saying this church is become, begonna, going to become a battering ram. And we're going to not sit complacently. We're not going to be just part of the status quo. We're going to conquer the gates of hell. We're going to be a battering ram that begins banging against it. And he's going to have to lock himself in there or we're coming after him. And so I'm tired of him messing with my friends and my family and all this stuff. And so this is why I want you guys to be free. I want you guys to be prepared because we ain't taking it no more, right? The church is supposed to be an offensive weapon, not a defensive posture. And we've been defensive too long. Just standing and complacent and just little things. You think discipline, little things like Steve stepping out in obedience this morning and getting up here and reading something that he didn't want to do is what I'm talking about, okay? <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about little things add up to big things, and we're gonna we're gonna change the trajectory of our our own lives and the lives of our families through obedience. All right. <clears throat> Whoo! Calm down now. Calm down. It is weird. It is seriously strange to be standing here. All right. I'm gonna read like Acts six. I'm gonna read one through seven. And then we're going to talk about it. Then I'm probably going to read some more, but I got lots of notes and lots of thoughts. And you know how thoughts are normal for me. So let's move on. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, 
It is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Permanius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the numbers the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to talk a little bit about this because um, can you all imagine church people complaining? Can anybody imagine that? <clears throat> can anybody imagine that? <clears throat> right? It's too hot. It's too cold. It's this. It's that. Right? And so you see this rise up. I mentioned this last week, but you see something here where the apostles have a specific job, a specific calling, and they're being distracted partly by the complaints, yes, but also by needing to do all of these things. And this is something that we see happen in church a lot, is that you got a church of 150 people, and what's the rule? 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And that's true across the board, right? Not just in churches, but in any volunteer organization. 10% of the people do 90% of the work. So what tends to happen if you get somebody that's willing to serve in one fashion, they end up serving in every fashion. And so all of a sudden, the person that's running the sound, is cleaning the toilets, is cleaning the tables, is doing this, is doing that. And all of a sudden, they're overwhelmed, underappreciated, and they start to carry a load that they're not supposed to bear because it's supposed to be spread out amongst the thing. I said last week, it's something that we have to get better at doing, is choosing the best over what is good. Okay, So what is good is good, right? I mean, maybe you're... Maybe you're good at teaching Sunday school, but you're better at leading worship or you're better at preaching. And so you have to figure that balance out. You have to figure out where your calling is and you have to begin to work toward that. Um, when I say work toward that, this is what I mean is a life of service, okay? Um, because here's something that's interesting that we don't see in, in churches very often. And I was actually listening to a message from another church a little while back. And they started, they made an announcement that said, we're looking for volunteers for our kids' ministry. And they said, and, I mean, if you want to serve in the kids' ministry, all you got to do is come up here and sign this paper. We won't turn anyone away. And I thought, what? You won't turn anyone away? Number one, there's a lot of people that are out there to get to kids, and you all know what I'm saying without me being bad because I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to be politically correct in case the school system watches me online. I don't want to get kicked out of here before we even get started because <clears throat> you know some of the things that come out of my mouth sometimes. But what I'm saying is then on top of that, you have people that just shouldn't be teaching, right? You, shouldn't, you should have people that just, they're just not qualified to teach and to serve in that capacity. Now, babysitters, most of us could be babysitters, although I'm not sure you all want me babysitting your kids because I'm out of that little kid mindset. Um, 
So what these people do, the apostles do, is they, they look around and they say, okay, we shouldn't waste our time doing this so we can concentrate on what's better. So they look around the group and they don't just pick people that are willing. They don't just pick people who have waiting experience. They pick people who are what? Full of wisdom and the Spirit. That's another thing I don't see churches doing, right? I don't see churches looking at people and saying, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't serve at this capacity because of the wisdom and the spirit thing. I'll, I'll talk more about the wisdom side of things in a minute. But let me just tell you just a little bit about my process in the church thing, right? When we started going to church and I got saved, we went to a church like ours that didn't have a home. So every week you had to go in, you had to set up, you had to tear down, you had to do the whole thing. It was at a larger scale, though. I mean, they set out tons of chairs, and you had to roll these plastic things out to set the chairs on. And they had a trailer that they hauled the equipment around in, and it had to be packed just a certain way. Anything out of its place, and not everything would fit in there. And so every week it was like, because we had to be out of the Y by a certain time. So it was like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. So when I started going, I just, I like to help out when I see people working. And so I, at first, I'm starting to help move chairs. And then I realize, well... Anybody who comes any week can help move chairs, so I need to learn how to do this. And I just started doing that. I just started serving. Nobody asked me to do it. I wasn't doing it with any thought toward ministry, if you understand what I'm saying. I just started serving God's people in that way. So I learned how to, first I just started picking up the equipment and carrying it out to the trailer. I think Logan may have actually loaded the trailer a lot of the time. But over time, I learned how to load the trailer. And so then when somebody needed to be gone, I could load that trailer up. And all of these things are crucial to keeping the message going forward. But if you rely on the same five people to do all of those things, what happens to those five people? They get tired and burned out and they feel underappreciated and blah, 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 blah. So what, what we should be looking toward is looking toward those people who are naturally serving. You can serve in a lot of different ways. You can be a person who just prays. You can be a person who helps take down chairs, tables. Chairs. I'm not looking for volunteers, by the way. I'm just, I'm just talking about what... Because I think we as a church need to start looking for a way to people, for people to serve. And I don't know what that looks like, so if you have ideas, come talk to me after church. But I will say this before I move on. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is not for you, okay? Because if serving is beneath you, then leadership will crush you. Because what happens is, is you're going to step into this servant role, and, and it's a process of you doing little things that leads you up to being able to do bigger things, right? If you're faithful in much, then God can trust you with, or if you're faithful in a little, God can trust you with more. And so it's a process. It's this thing that happens. And here's something that I want you to see. Hold on. I wrote something down over here because I don't like to lose my train of thought. But I have to put my glasses on because I write really sloppy. And my teachers that taught me here would be really disappointed because they kept telling me I need to learn to write neater or I would never amount to anything. And they were somewhat right. <clears throat> okay, this is what I wrote. 
Here's what I've seen happen in church is that we get so involved in wanting to come and consume and to get fed by the Word that it keeps us from serving, okay? And, and we don't have a nursery, and we're not looking to start a nursery, but that was one of the things you saw is people wouldn't sign up for a nursery because they didn't want to miss a message, okay? If you're just coming and being fed by me on Sunday mornings, you're missing out in a huge way, okay? Come here after consuming on your own all week, reading the Word, praying, seeking Jesus. Then when you come here, hopefully I am just agreeing with what you've been learning and what God's been speaking to you all week. And God can do more Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday than you can get from me in hopefully you know less than an hour on Sunday mornings. <laughs> So you have to shift that mindset to being just a consumer, all right? I know we don't like to think about that in church. And here's what we see happening. <clears throat> Let me see. Let's read. I'm going to read on a little bit more because it starts after that. Luckily, I wrote my verses down over here. And Stephen, remember, Stephen is the waiter. Stephen and the guy that was showing up to church and they looked around, they thought, yeah, this is the guy looks like he could hand people glasses of water and food, okay? So he's maybe not the, the best and brightest, but he's full of the Spirit and he's full of wisdom. <clears throat> so remember, we have to see with spiritual eyes. So Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Remember, that's the waiter, that's not the pastor, that's not the apostles, that's the guy waiting tables. He's full of grace and power, and he's doing signs and wonders among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia in Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Okay. So here's what you see is this guy who's chosen to wait tables is so full of grace and power that he's doing signs and wonders. And what happens? is ops rise up against him. <clears throat> right? We all have ops, right, Ava? <clears throat> opposition rises up against him. If you go back to last week, we talked about opposition. Okay, I have to make my daughters cringe every week. That was my attempt at it this week, and it worked. So, <clears throat> we see opposition rise up against him, which is jealousy and rivalry, right? And this is going to happen. Now, I want to talk just a minute because I talked to you earlier about how I defeated bullies when I was here, right? You punch them in the mouth. It's very effective. I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying don't. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. But <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's, here's what I see happening, okay? 
Here's what I see happening in the world is that in, in the church setting or otherwise, is that if we're not secure in who we are and opposition rises up against us, it causes us to be deflated. So if we want to defeat opposition, what we have to do is we have to learn our identity. Okay? This is why I want you to stop focusing on sin and shame and all of this stuff in your life and to start focusing on being the righteousness of Christ. Because when we get that focus and we get that identity, it doesn't matter what the world says against us. It doesn't matter what church people say against us. It doesn't matter what Austin and Beth say against me or whoever it might be. I don't think they're speaking against me, but it's okay if they are. If we understand our identity and our worth, because our worth is worth everything to God because He sends His only Son here to suffer and die on my behalf. When I was here punching people in the mouth, Jesus has already died on my behalf, right? But I'm here acting like a fool in so many other ways. And so then what happens is, if I'm secure in my identity and I understand my worth, then I won't get jealous I won't get jealous when Steve comes up here and reads something and you guys connect with it and you receive something from it and you appreciate it and you go to Steve and you say, man, thank you for doing that. I won't get upset when Jamie fills in for me and everybody says, hey, Jamie knocked it out of the park. I I won't get upset and jealous over these things and try to control everything because I'm confident in who I am and I understand that God has a, a calling on my life, okay? It also means that our ops won't be able to bother us no matter what they say against me. Say whatever you want. It's been said, right? It's been said. It's been done. It, it didn't stick to me. <clears throat> I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you, right? <laughs> so parents, I want to take just a minute and I want, to, I want to talk to you. But as I talk to parents, if you're not a parent and you're somebody here, understand that people are watching you, okay? And if people know you're a Christian, they're, they're watching you doubly. And so what you are is you're, I'm not going to say you're an apostle, but there are disciples out there who are watching and learning from you. So, so parents, I want you to understand that your words and your actions are teaching your kids something. And so actions and words have to go hand in hand. Um, I want you to be careful what words you use. And it can even be the way you phrase things. Kids may hear things differently than the way you meant them to sound. So if you say things like, um, stop doing that, that's stupid. The kid may hear, stop doing that, you're stupid, right? And so wording matters, but dads, in particular, I want to speak to you because I think we're worse about this than other people. Um, As an adult, I understand that working and making money is one of the ways I love my kids, but me being at work all the time doesn't tell my kids when they're kids that I love them. It tells them that I love work and money, right? When you get to be an adult, you can come to understand that your dad did that because he loved you. But as a kid, it can tell the kid that you value work and money more than you value them. Okay, So dads in particular, I want you to get in the habit of telling your kids and your wife, I love you with your mouth, not just with your actions. Okay, It may seem like a small thing, but it's something that I think is important. Um, And so I want you to think in your own mind things that still speak to you from when you were a kid. Things that cause negative thoughts in your mind because an adult put something in there when when you were a kid, whether they meant to or not. And then you can see what I'm talking about, right? 
Also, I will say this. The same can be said for ministry. Your kids need to know you love God more than them, but they need to know that you love them more than ministry. Does that make sense? Okay. That, that, that's a harder one for people who are called to ministry to get right. Choose what's best over what's good. Okay. My home is my first ministry. I don't always have that right, but I try. Okay. <clears throat> so let's get back to ops just a little bit. I saw a Facebook post the other day, <clears throat> and this lady asked, just I think just trying to stir up a positive conversation, tell me something you love about your church. And what it turned into was all of these people trying to give her the reasons why she could come to their church. She already goes to church. But what it turned into was, this is what we're doing right. We've got a great children's ministry, a youth program. We've got this, we've got that. We would love to see you at our church on Sunday. And then it became literally people speaking like, oh, but we do this and this and this. You should come here. And it was almost like then it became this thing of people trying to one-up each other, trying to get her to come to their church, right? Has anybody ever seen that happen, right? Like, I'm going to church, and so what's going to happen especially if you start finding freedom and you start stepping into your gifts, I'm going to tell you that religious people are going to look at you and think that you've learned something that's off or is not right or whatever, and they're going to try to get you to come to their church so they can put you back in your place. <laughs> I shouldn't say things like that, but it's just true, okay? It's just true. I'm telling you, the churches only want you free enough to keep your behind in the seat and your money in the offering plate, okay? <clears throat> Sorry, that's harsh, but let's see. Let's move on from, oh, yes, oh, let's move on for ops, from, from, from ops for a moment. Because verse 10 says that as the op, op, opposition rose up against them out of jealousy and rivalry, they come against him, so they start arguing with him. It says that they cannot withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he speaks. I want you to understand that that is not Stephen's wisdom and that's not Stephen's spirit with which he is speaking that they cannot withstand. Okay, Because I promise you that in my human knowledge... I cannot learn this enough that someone can't come and throw a question at me that I can't answer and it would get me off my game. But if I depend solely on the Holy Spirit, He can give me wisdom and knowledge that humans, and when I say humans, I mean even seminaries, cannot give you. Okay, there's a reason that a lot of pastors call seminaries cemeteries. Because they kill the Holy Spirit. Okay? I just want you to understand that. And in that, I, I've told you guys this a lot. I, I did not go to seminary. Everybody understands that, right? I did not go to seminary and get... I, I on my own, started consuming the Bible. I started seeking Jesus. And, and I can tell you that um, I know some kids really well who are in Bible college right now, and I don't know him as well. But we were sitting one night in a restaurant and he comes to me and you can ask my wife, he grills me with Bible questions and he uses all the big fancy words, which I don't always know what they mean, right? I'll know the meaning when he tells me, but I won't understand, you know, the big fancy words. 
But one night it came out that I didn't go to cemetery. And he goes, cemetery. I said it. See that? <clears throat> is that a Freudian slip or is that the Holy Spirit? I don't know. <clears throat> but I said when he found out, he said, wait a second. You didn't go to seminary. And I said, no. And he said, I have a teacher that has seven degrees. And I'll guarantee you, you could sit with him and talk scripture without missing a beat. He said, I would have guessed you were at least as educated as him. And what I, I'm not saying that to brag on myself because I've told you guys before, in, in the human world, I don't have much to offer you unless you're in the, wanting to learn flooring and I am hiring. Or, no, I'm not really. I'm not really. I could teach you flooring. I could teach you to finish concrete. I can teach you to shoot guns. Other than that, I don't have a lot to offer, okay? <clears throat> but when it comes to this, it's like, Sometimes God reveals things and you can't explain it, right? And so part of that is learning to discern his voice. But it's interesting to me, and I want to encourage you all with this, is that you may be sitting there feeling like the least of these, feeling irrelevant, feeling whatever. Stephen is a waiter, right? The apostles didn't go to Stephen and say, hey, we want you to come learn from us and be the associate pastor. They didn't, want, they didn't go to him and say, hey, we want you to step up and be the new Sunday school director, the vacation Bible school teacher. They said, no, we want you to clean up tables. And by the way, these people are already mad at us and complaining, and we want you to step into that and, and serve in that capacity. And he stepped into it. And because of the wisdom and the spirit within him, so I don't know what translations you all read because the NIV said they could not, they could not beat his wisdom and spirit. And, and in, I, I study out of several Bibles. <clears throat> and in my, in my NIV Bible, it said his wisdom, lowercase, and I took an ink pen and capitalized his. All right? Don't rely on your own understanding because it will fail you. And never be afraid when someone comes to you and questions you on Scripture and you don't know the answer to say, you know what, I don't know, but give me a day, a week, whatever, to go home, to read, to study, to pray, and then I'll come back with, to you with that. That's, that's one place I think guys in my position fail all the time, okay? And so the opposition then, they, they go to what people will go to. They begin to... Um, they begin to stir other people up against them. So they begin lying, they begin conniving, they begin, you know, just completely making up stories about what Stephen's doing to cause more issues in his life. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, this is going to happen to you. This is the reason Jesus said count the cost. I want you all to understand that because it seems like I'm talking you all out of serving <laughs> as I say these things. <laughs> as I, I lay out all the things that are going to come against you, right? Especially in the church setting, because that's, that's literally what I'm talking about here. Because that's what this is. The Bible doesn't just tell you what's going to happen. It tells you what always happens. So when you're in a church setting, if there are religious people, and you begin stepping into your calling, into your... There, there are people, opposition is going to rise up against you, and they will, you, you may not believe me, I've seen this happen, they're going to lie and connive behind your back. Later in, in some of these books, you're going to see, um, I think it's Paul, write about backbiting within the church. Okay? It's going to happen. What's going to happen is that, you know... Um, they're going to say, oh, this person is saying these things, or they're going to say, 
you know, this person is looking to be something they're not, right? This, oh yeah, I mean, he's cleaning tables, but he's only doing it because he wants the spotlight or whatever it may be, right? You know, he's teaching Sunday school, but what he's really angling for is your title or your job. Whatever it is, in little bitty ways, it's going to happen. When you get free of sin, when you get free of shame, there are going to be those people within the church that are going to start pointing their finger and saying, they've become holier than thou, right? Because they're free now, they're holier than thou. And the truth of the matter is, everybody in the church should be free of shame and condemnation, right? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <clears throat> in the body of the Christ, there is no condemnation. The Holy Spirit can convict us of things, but there is no condemnation. And so opposition is going to rise up against you. And then I, I looked at this thing. I really wanted to make something of this. I never could really. So I just wrote this down as something for you guys to ponder on and pray on because I really wanted to find some where it talks about here at the end, like they have Stephen in here and they're grilling him. And it says that they all, it's like they and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. You guys make something of that? What does an angel look like? Does anybody know? I mean, usually like in the Old Testament, when angels show up, the first thing they say is, do not fear. Right? So does Stephen have a scary face or does he have like the cherubim face, the little, you know, the little baby floating around playing a harp? Does he, does he like look super peaceful? I don't, I don't know. I, I looked it up and it literally, that word angel just means messenger. I don't know. You guys take that however you want. I didn't mention this at the beginning, by the way, and it just jumped in my brain. I told you part of the way we're getting out of our comfort zone is every week we're given the opportunity for physical healing if you want prayer. But it doesn't have to be physical. It can be emotional, mental, whatever it is. Um, just keep that in your mind as we move toward this. Stephen's just a waiter. He's just one of the congregation. He's just like you. He's just coming. He's, he, he loves God. He loves people. Okay, how many people love? How many of you all love people? Can we be honest? Is any... Three of you, okay. Four of you. I see, I see you up there. Ugh, about four of you. Randall's like, he's like rolling his eyes and shaking his head. Like, okay. So we got to pray for some love to break out here. Um, but Stephen is just like you guys where he's just there and he's, he's just coming, right? Jesus has done something in his life and he's just showing up. And for whatever reason, the apostles pick him out of the crowd and they put him up here. What happens is what, what you're going to find, and I, I'm speaking from experience here, is that when you step out in those small ways, that God begins working inside of you. Okay? You step out in some new small way and, and you're just cleaning tables and you're just cleaning up. You're just, listen, you, you can do small things that God recognizes, like you could just pray for people in your seat during the service, right? And I know that some of you do that. Small things like that. I know one time in our old church, there was like a, a, um, a guy who was, didn't like the worship service. He didn't like the music. He, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was upsetting him, and he went to the pastor, and the pastor said, okay, well, instead of us changing everything to suit you, 
How about during the worship service, you go out into this other room, and during that time, you pray that God would use that worship service to impact the body for his glory. How about you begin going out there, and you pray in that other room that that the Holy Spirit would show up and that you would prepare for the service, that the people's hearts would be prepared and that God would move in a way. And I think the guy actually just left the church, but I'm saying that to say that you can do little things like that. If you're sitting in your seat and you're saying, oh man, the, the music is too loud this Sunday, then take that as an opportunity to pray for the people, right? Take that as an opportunity to refix your eyes on what is important and what matters and what really is important and what really matters is that we break people free from their captivity, their bondage from sin and in all of these things, right? That, that we build the kingdom of God in this place, that there's freedom so that we can move in this way. And so be one of those people that do that. And what begins to happen is that God begins to change you. So what happens when the people in the congregation see you as one of those people that is serving? Maybe you're greeting people at the door. Maybe you're reading a psalm in the middle of the worship service. Maybe you're running the sound booth and all of a sudden the people out there may come to you now because they see you as in leadership, right? They may come to you and ask you a question. They may, especially if you're one of the people who comes up at the end in prayer and somebody shares something with you. You get to see people through different eyes. You get to see what makes people click. It helps you relate, and it will help you. I promise you. I know you don't want to love people. I don't want to love people. But when you start to love people because you see them differently, you hear from them differently, you can't help but love them. And God begins working on the inside of you, and he changes you. And now as God is working on the inside of you, and he's changing you, God can begin to work through you. Okay, Because you become like a conduit. That's the way I see it. Jesus left here and departed, but he's still alive. But he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus says, I don't say or do anything that I don't see the Father say or do. So he's sitting right there receiving from the Father. And then through the Holy Spirit, that's the conduit where it comes straight down from heaven, right straight into you. Isn't that weird to think about? But all of the stuff that I was talking about, sin separates us from that huge. I mean, sin is one of those things that blocks that. Shame in your life, if you're carrying shame, if if you're a saved Christian that knows Jesus, but you're still carrying shame from your past, that is keeping the Holy Spirit from being able to speak to you. It's also keeping you from being able to operate fully in the Spirit because what will come out of you is you will say hurtful things to people because you're still stuck in that. It's also something I heard um, somebody say this week that unforgiveness gives the enemy a foothold in believers' lives. And until you forgive people in your past, until you're able to move on from that, and and I'm not saying you have to become best friends with that person, but until you're able to forgive them, that that stuff will keep coming back up. And and you'll have triggers and you'll have things that happen. I don't like the word trigger, by the way, but you'll have things happen in your life that'll punch your buttons. And then that... Things that are opposite of the Spirit will rear up in you. 
Okay, so there's there's forgiveness that has to happen, and so <clears throat> the work is already done, right? Jesus died on the cross a long time ago. He rose again. He ascended to the right hand. That his side of the work is complete. The question now is: Are you willing? Are you willing to begin examining yourself? Are you willing on your own to begin seeking Jesus and to find those places? Like, like when you're seeking Jesus, I want you to, to go to Jesus. Not the Jesus that I've told you about, by the way. This is what really set me free and set me on this path was finding this Jesus right here. This is Jesus. From here... to hear. From beginning to end, this book is not about you. It's not about me. It's for us, but it's about Jesus. As you seek this Jesus, what you're going to find is that there's some part of Jesus that's going to speak to you. Because while, uh, how, many, how many gifts are there for the church? Apostles, teachers, you know, evangelism, all of these things. Jesus, Jesus was all of them. I'm not capable of being all of them. This is why I'm telling you that the only way the church functions is if we all step into it. Okay? So when you're when you're looking at Jesus, there's something about Jesus that's gonna jump off the pages to you. What it was for me was that 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 Jesus was so bold and so manly and he just came, he wanted people to be free, right? That he was willing to put his own body, his own life on the line for that to happen. He didn't care what people said. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care about the opposition. He had a soul focus and that's what jumped off the page to me was that Jesus was the boldest man that I had ever encountered in my life. But something's going to hit you different, right? The evangelism side, the, the freedom side, the apostle, whatever it is. There's, there's something in this book that is for you. And if you're in this book on your own, God's going to speak to you in that. And as you see that part, look deeper into it. Study more parts of that and say, what does this look like? What does this mean for me? How do I put this into practice? And I promise you that as a congregation, as, as leaders, we said this in men's group the other night, we're going to begin looking for ways for you to serve. We're going to begin looking for ways for you to take your gifting, your calling, your anointing, and to engage it into this body. Because the body only gets stronger the more people that step into that. <clears throat> So we got one more song. You guys know the altar's here. We, well, they have been closed in the past, but they're, they're open today. Um, so if you need physical healing, if you need spiritual healing, if you need emotional, if you need whatever, um, I'm here to pray with you. I have other people here who will come pray with you. 
But if you are in this boat where you feel like you are supposed to be serving, like you're supposed to be doing something, but you're just stuck and you don't know the next step, that's where I would like to pray with you today. And then what's going to happen, I promise you, because I saw it happen with a guy this morning. A guy who a couple weeks ago prayed for boldness. And then in his quiet time, hear, hear this, in his quiet time reading the Bible on his own, God spoke to him and said, hey, I want you to go to Jason and ask him if you can do this. Now, he didn't want to know, he didn't want to do that because he knew what Jason would say. He knew Jason would say yes. But I want you, because then he said, I prayed for boldness. And I said, yeah, has anybody ever seen um, Evan Almighty? Is that the movie with Steve Carell? And it's uh, Morgan, Morgan Freeman is like the God character. And he says, you know, you prayed for, what is it? Patience. He says, if someone prays for patience, does God give them patience or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? What I want you to do, because some of you right now know what it is. Some of you know, some of you already know. Some of you already know what God has spoke to you and he's called you to do, and you've set on it, I'm going to tell you what I told him when he asked me, don't set on it, because the longer you set on it, the more the enemy can convince you that that was thoughts in your own brain, and God is not involved in it. I'm going to ask you to come out, come up here and speak it out loud to somebody today and ask for prayer in it, because the same thing will happen for you that happened for me when I said, God, this is it. I don't want to talk to people, but if you want me to talk to people, I will go wherever, whenever, to whoever, but I will never seek it. You will have to give it to me. And I promise you that if you pray for the opportunity, God is going to be faithful to present you with an opportunity. So as we go into this last song, I want you, right now I'm just going to pray and I want you guys to just let God's Spirit speak to you in this moment. Father God, right now, I silence the voice of doubt in your people. I silence the voice of the enemy that would speak to your people and say, you are not good enough, you are not worthy, you are not righteous enough, you have, do not have enough things figured out, you do not have enough boxes checked. God, right now we silence those voices. And I ask that right now, right here in Avalz, oh, it's now it's North Calvary Middle School, but in Avalz Elementary, home of the tigers, that you would begin to speak to your people, that your voice would ring loud and clear in your sons' and daughters' ears, that they would hear you, that they would know that it was you speaking in this moment. And I ask God that you would give them the boldness and the courage to step out of their seat, to step out of their comfort, to step out of their pig pens, whatever they're setting in, God, that they would step out today in a bold way and say, I'm going to take this next step of faith I want someone to hold me accountable. I want someone to pray for me in this moment. God, right now, I just pray for boldness among your people. I ask God that you would speak to them their calling in, in their lives, that it's your calling on their lives, that it's your will, that it's your kingdom, that it's your honor, that it's your glory, that we step into that in some way and you use us. God, I ask that you would speak to your people right now in this building and that they would have the boldness, the willingness to step out of their seats so that this church can be a full picture 
of your Son. That this would be a church, a body of believers who just want to serve you, who just want to love you and love people in this moment, God. Let your spirit move in your people as we play this last song. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.